right, we're back with another High and Wide Radio episode. As always, your host, Angry Jim, here with Jack and Kyle. Three nothing win last night, guys. How we feeling? I mean, we're heading into the break on a high note. Should be feeling pretty good. Kyle, <laughs> best game of the season. Absolutely, most complete. Now, what do you think? Sure. Uh, whatever, man. They won three nothing against the team I hate the most, and they they just look fantastic doing it. Backup goalie, it was fantastic. Oh yeah, Brian Elliott. That's right. I'm like backup goalie. Shut out. Hell yeah, man. We played fucking good last night. Only gave up 19 shots. No real... I mean, they did give up a couple quality scoring chances. Moose came up big. It stopped. Who did he stop point blank? Was it Brian Rust? Yes. Who's had an incredible year somehow, by the way. Uh, we can get to him a little bit later. We have a, a guest. Uh, Brian Rust. We're going to have Justin Miner of the Deep Puck podcast on later on. He's going to tell us a little bit about what the Penguins are doing this year and you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so the Flyers won 3 nothing last night. Uh, you know, the big rivalry game. Two guys stood out. I mean, a, a bunch of guys stood out, but I thought it was ironic that the two guys that scored are two of the guys that we were, we've been ragging on for most of the year in JVR and Jake Voracek. I didn't really realize that until I got home last night. I'm like, holy shit. JVR scored, Voracek scored. Two of the guys we've been begging to step up all year long Stepped up in a big game last night. Uh, Jack, you were there last night. What did you see last night? And, and, you know, kind of talk about the atmosphere a little bit. I mean, to be honest with you, when I first got there, I saw one too many Penguins jerseys, which is not cool. It's not something that's supposed to happen. But they were quieted awfully quick. Flyers, they may not have got on the scoreboard right away, but they came ready to play. And that this this game was like a, uh, a Lavigno wet dream. I mean, they just were, they smothered. Pittsburgh. There was very little. You saw. You said it yourself. Nineteen shots the whole game. Uh, they they smothered them. They, every time they came and entered the zone, they're sl- slapping the puck off of their sticks, and they just couldn't give them a chance to really set up unless they were on the penalty kill, uh, and which our penalty kill is fantastic. There was one play. Kevin Hayes must have dazzled through everybody. Everybody wanted him to shoot, but then he turned back around. Then he thought he was going to lose it. He killed like forty seconds of just stick handling on the penalty kill. You know, I mean, everybody everybody looked good. The only thing that didn't look good was a damn power play. Still can't figure it out. But but other than that, to, to I don't want to say dominate because it's not like we won seven one like the first time we they played us. But three nothing, a shutout, backup goalie again. You know, they got Crosby back. It was fantastic. It was awesome. I mean, I don't I don't think dominates too far off. I mean, def- defensively, you can't really play a better game than they played last night. I mean, number one, they got the shutout. Some of that's due to Brian Elliott. made some key some key saves, which you need from a goalie in a shutout. But defensively, I mean, that whole first period, I'm waiting for Pittsburgh to finally play uh, hockey. Like, the Flyers dominated that whole period, no? Uh, basically, I mean, uh, they, didn't, they didn't get on the scoreboard, but they were all over them. There was, they had all sorts of chances. Anything Pitt had was very weak. Had, their better chances came later in the game. Um, and, yeah, like I said, they just they were denying so much zone entry, and they were just the first to the pucks. They were – I will say it looked like – it felt like the bounces went their way when guys collided or the puck was slapped up in the air. It tended to come down 
and favorably for us. There was a uh, play on net with uh, Elliot. I don't know how it didn't go in, to be honest with you. It kind of bounced and wound up in the crease and just didn't go in. <laughs> like, what can you say? And uh, that's true. They were, they were they were able to, but they played their game. So no matter what would have happened, I don't think that would have deterred them. And yeah, they just they look. Vorchek's been playing so much better lately. JVR, he's you know that line has just been. Product producing, which is fantastic, and even Justin Braun got on the scoreboard. I mean, what else can you say? <laughs> Kyle, you watched the game on TV last night. What did it look like on TV? Because I'll tell you what I saw in that first period. It looked like the Penguins were having trouble in the neutral zone, and maybe at least six, seven times the Flyers came flying down uh, into in the Pittsburgh zone. You know, odd man rushes, fast breaks. Did did it look like that on TV? What did it look like to you? Yeah, no, for sure. The, the Flyers absolutely controlled the, the entire sheet of ice. Uh, there, was, there wasn't a zone that the Flyers didn't exert their dominance in the entire game. There wasn't, obviously, there was bits and pieces where Pittsburgh would get a little bit of momentum going, and then the very next shift, the Flyers would just shut it down again. And that's the kind of shit we've all been waiting to see on a consistent basis because you get it from period to period every once in a while, but. We haven't had a complete game yet that they just completely shut down the opposition, and last night was a, was an awesome example of that. From top to bottom, I, I really didn't see anything negative from any of the guys. On the, I can't really say a bad thing about anybody. You know, uh, I mean, obviously Pittsburgh had chances, and you have guys like Crosby, Malkin on that team, uh, Latang, Brian Russ, like we mentioned, is having a great year. They're going to get their chances. So to be able to limit them to only 19 shots – and and give them as as tough a time as they did, uh, you know, and entering the zone and and keep keeping them out of the zone. Uh, Jack, you mentioned Justin Braun getting on the score sheet. I thought he had a, a fantastic game last night, almost flawless for for what you expect from a guy like Braun. Uh, made it difficult to get into the zone. Uh, had had a couple plays where he was able to get out of the zone easily. Uh, kept the puck in on on certain pinches, and immediately when I saw him do that who popped into my mind was Shane Gossespierre because there's so many times where he will pinch and not be able to keep the puck in, or he hesitates and it's the plays already by him. So, and I know we love ghost because of his potential scoring ability, but what Justin Braun brings to this team is, is not the flashy, you know, 50, 60 points, but he will keep the puck in for an extra 30 seconds or a minute. Uh, and, and who knows what can happen after that. Uh, so I was really enthusiastic uh, after seeing what I saw from Braun. I'll run over a couple guys that stood out to me real quick here. Uh, Nicholas Albe-Kubel, I thought, had a fantastic first period. It looks like he belongs. I know he only, I think he finished around eight minutes last night, but that first period, I'm like, holy shit, he belongs out there with these guys. He belongs on this team. Uh, he was flying. He was throwing his body around a little bit. Kyle, did it look like that on TV? Yeah. Kubel Kubel does... Uh, all of the little things when he's on his game, he does all of the little things right. He steals the puck. He's he's one of those sneaky guys that comes up behind you, lifts your stick, steals the puck, and they're going the other way. And when he's clicking on all cylinders like he has been for the Flyers, I mean, it's it's blatantly obvious he belongs on the fourth line here. I mean, he's one of those guys that slots in that fourth line perfectly, can bump up to the third line. And if he keeps playing this way, I can't see them sending him down. No, me neither. He looks like he looks like he belongs. He, he he he's physical. He brings a physical presence. He's got some speed. Jack, did you see that last night from Albe Kubel? 
Absolutely. He was one of the main players, especially early on, taking away time and space from Pittsburgh and mainly time because they were just on them like gnats. You know, and it's tough to make things happen when you're constantly they're just they're like they were on them like other teams are on our defense when we're trying to get the puck out of the zone. Except for they were all over everywhere, especially when they were trying to uh, in the neutral zone. And really, they were limiting the the zone entries. And that just screwed them all up, especially early. And I think the defense as well. They just kept Brian Elliott clean. You know, I mean, he just everything was he could see everything. If there was a loose puck, they were clearing it. They were getting to it first. Uh, they were active, active sticks. You know, it, it was great. I, I was waiting for a guy like as much as I love Myers and as good as I think he's going to be. He's known for his defensive gasps. And I didn't see any. I was waiting for it, especially late in the game. when I thought they might make it two to one and, you know, see what happens. And uh, no, everybody, everybody stood firm. It was a, I see why you say it looked like a complete game because nobody's game dipped off. It started high and it ended high. Yeah. There's a lot to be, uh, enthusiastic about. I mean, this, this, this Penguins team handled the Flyers a couple months ago, seven to one. Yes, it was a road game. The Flyers have trouble on the road, but to come back and play the same team and you're minus Oscar Lindblom, you're minus a Shane Goss you're minus a Carter Hart. And you win three nothing, and in dom. I mean, <clears throat> if not dominating fashion, pretty damn close. You know that that defensive effort is, I think, you know, as close to a hundred percent as you can get. And then the goals. You know, having them come from a guy like James Van Riemsdyk, who's been, you know, supposed to be a streaky player, has been cold for almost two months. They change him to a line with Claude Giroux and Travis Konechny, and he looks like, you know, the guy that we thought he could be. You know, I, where I, you know, some fr- frustration comes from because we know he can score and, and he's finally doing it again. The other guy, Jake Voracek, scored the game winning goal in overtime against St. Louis, comes back, uh, plays a, another solid team in the Pittsburgh Penguins. Puts the, he actually, he scored the first goal, didn't he? Voracek? Yes. So he's got another game winning goal. And it was a pretty sweet move, wasn't it? I was at the other end of the ice, so I couldn't actually see completely. Yeah, he was patient, you know, and it paid off. Yeah, I, I actually thought that Jerry got over there, and it looked like the puck squeaked through anyway. Yeah, Kyle, what did, just can you describe that goal? Because I, I honestly didn't see the entire play. Yeah, he held on to it and uh, made a move in front of the net from a fantastic pass from Coots on, on that uh, that particular play. But he held on to it, made a move, shielded the puck well with his body, made a move in front of the net, drug it all the way to the other side of the net. Jerry did get over there, but he didn't quite pinch off the post, and Voracek just tucked it by him and in the net. Then that's no slouch of a goalie over there, man. He, he I think he, they picked him for the all-star team. Uh, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but they're pretty damn good. So, I mean, to score two two on him and not give any up, is that's how you got to beat the Penguins, man. So I brought up JBR and, and Voracek. I think... Being on a line with TK and Claude Giroux is doing wonders for a guy like JVR. The uh, chemistry's there. That's for damn sure. Oh, my God. And and tell me what you saw on TV because I'm watching Travis Connecting. And, and after last night, I had to put out a tweet. And, then, you know, I was I had to admit that I was wrong because in the summertime, I'm saying over here, oh, I don't know if uh, we should give TK. Or I'm sorry. I don't know if the Flyers should give TK all these years, all that money yet. He's only 22. I'm watching him last night, and he's potentially – I know he's the only all-star, but on a team with Sean Couturier, Claude Giroux, James Van Riemsdyk, uh, Jake Voracek, Travis Konechny is no doubt 
the best offensive player on this team by far. He, he's so fast. And you could see he knows he's thinking two and three decisions ahead before the play even happens. And you can clearly see it because he's he's there. He's not waiting for the play to happen. He's not making any reactionary uh, moves out there. He's He knows what's going to happen. And right now, I think he's got 43 points, 47 games. He's a stud, man. I, I was really impressed with Travis Konechny last night. No, Konechny's awesome. And I'm glad you brought up uh, everything we dealt with in the offseason because there was a lot of people outside of Philly that said that contract was an overpayment and they were pretty adamant about it. And I even tried to take their side in the sense of saying, well, okay, maybe this first year or this second year, but he's going to become a stud. And to see him do it year one like this, like game one, he had those two beautiful goals against Chicago. And it's just been like a, a story for him for the season. And uh, he's just, he, he, I don't know if he's the best offensive. He's definitely one of, but he's definitely the most dangerous and most exciting for sure. Like it's fantastic what he's been able to do and, and continue to do it now as we're 50 games into the season. He's, he's been an absolute besides how good Limblom was play, playing before his whole thing. Konechny is, I mean, we know he's amazing, but Jesus, is he really turning it on? Yeah. And, and Kyle, you've been to quite a few games this year. Does, does TK stand out to you the way he stood out to me last night, or maybe it was just a one game thing. No, TK has been by far the most consistent offensive player uh, for the Flyers. And uh, the chemistry between him and JVR has been something fun to watch, man. And I'm glad that JVR has finally got out of a slump, not to change gears here. But it's clear as day that TK's speed enables JVR to play his game, his style of game, much better. And you're starting to see some hands from JVR. I mean, he's had some pretty passes. Yeah, maybe the confidence is coming back a little bit. Um, and then I, I'm wondering, like, this, this, and I'm not saying Elaine Vigneault, I'm not smarter than Elaine Vigneault, obviously, but what took him so long to, to pair him up? Like, he has to know what kind of player JVR is, right? I mean, he's not a guy that can create his own space, blah, blah, blah. We went over this stuff before. I don't want to be too negative on a day after we the Flyers shut out the Penguins, but, you know, he needs guys that can create. Because he's the guy that's either going to clean up and, and, you know, reap benefits off that. It just made sense to me. Put him with Giroux. And then, they, you know, it, it's actually TK. That's cre- He's got a couple primary assists. I think he's got both primary assists on JVR's goals. They look great together. They look like a perfect match. And then the other goal here we have is by Jake Voracek playing with Sean Couturier. And Couturier sets him up for the goal last night. Uh, I think, did they have Farabee playing on that line? Yeah. yeah, he got he got the secondary assist on that with a fantastic neutral zone play. There you go. I mean, you got two defensive-minded forwards playing with Jake Voracek. It makes sense. And, and if Farabee can step up for just, you know, a little bit, we've got 30 games left here. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to peter out at some point because I, I think this is the longest, most physical season he's played. You know, that, that looks like a good line. And hopefully, you know, without being too negative, because we know that Voracek's a streaky player, hopefully... Maybe Elaine Vigneault has him figured out, and he can continue this for the rest of the year and not be like a two-week thing. Voracek, um, as streaky as he is, he has been obnoxiously consistent for the last couple of months. We're talking 25 games, he's got 20 or 28 games. Sorry, he's got 25 points. That's yeah. that's pretty damn consistent. I I mean, so I'm like I said, I'm not trying to be too negative because a lot of my frustrations with these two players is. We know how good they can be. But 
now I'm kind of like, well, when's it going to drop off? Is it going to stay like this? I've seen this story before, you know, I've seen this movie happen before. So now it's like, okay, they're clicking. Can they do this for a sustained period? And I'm thinking last night, uh, you know what? It really figures that they have the fucking 10 days off once forward check and uh, JVR start putting the puck in the net, right? So I'm hoping they can carry it into the to the second half of the season now. Right. Worth, worth noting, and and we all know JVR is extremely streaky, but in his last five games, and, and we know he usually runs in five-game spurts, I mean, at the most, he's got six points in five games. So he's also passing the puck extremely well, and he's playing the game. We hear it all the time. He's playing the game right. He's getting into the dirty areas. He's battling along the boards. He's setting things up. He's making plays. And it's all we can really ask for. If he continues to play that way, He's going to continue to put up points. And I'm perfectly – I don't know about you guys, but I'm perfectly okay. If TK is going to score 30-plus goals, then JVR can take a step back to 25 if he's going to get 25 assists, 30 assists. Sure. Hey, winning's winning. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'll get it however I can get it. They don't ask how. They ask how many. And uh, with JVR, it's just – I just like to see – that he is doing more because we've already accepted we're not going to see the 30-goal score, the 35-goal score. I think what Kyle alluded to is more likely of a scenario now. And if that is what it is, then you just – if life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. you know. And if they're winning, who the hell cares? you know? And the only thing – the one thing that definitely goes we haven't really talked about, we've always acknowledged how good their PK is, but they were a perfect 3-for-3 three three on the PK against Pittsburgh. Like, usually they go on the PK against Pittsburgh in the past, the Hackstall days. It's a it's an automatic goal. And they just completely shut them down. They had no chance. That Kevin Hayes play in particular I was talking about, he shaved 18 seconds off the penalty, off the penalty kill that was already going to be split up between two periods. And he even makes his own teammates nervous, but the fact that he does it and he does it so well and consistently, it's it's so underrated. You know, and it's just and the other thing on JVR, he's not he's not scoring these garbage time goals anymore. That goal right before the end of the second period, that was huge. That was huge going into the third. Yeah, I mean, it, I didn't think the Penguins are going. I mean, maybe like ten minutes left in the third. I'm like, okay, you know, it feels like it's over, but is it over? Like we're playing the Pens, you know what I mean? It just that's how in control it felt like the Flyers were at that point, you know, and. It, it was a really, really weird feeling to see them control that game the way they did. Uh, you brought up that Kevin Hayes. Uh, what the hell was I going to say? That Kevin Hayes uh, sequence there. I was up on my feet. You know, I, for the first like first five ten seconds, I'm like, dude, just dump it in, dude, just dump it in. Oh my god, oh my god, he's amazing. Oh my god, Kevin Hayes is amazing. Eighteen seconds, you said. I mean, that's a that's like a a, a quarter of a. What was it? A two-minute power play, so a minute in the second, minute in the, uh, minute in the first, minute in the second, a quarter of that that last minute of the first period. You know, he had the puck. I was on my feet. That got me. Uh, that got me pumped up. And I can only imagine what it did for the players on the bench. You know. Well, actually, funny that you say that because Drew has a quote about that. Uh, he said he did it against four guys. A, gin- a grinning Drew said of Hayes PK puck ragging. Guys at the bench were yelling at him to get the puck deep. It was a great play, but he still makes me nervous when he does that. But to see him pull, <laughs> and that's the end of the quote. But see him pull it off, though. Shit, man. I mean, it, it, the whole all the fans were on their feet. Like that was, they were all clapping and screaming. That was a fantastic sequence. So, yeah, and w- 
ahead, go ahead, Kyle. So I know we we were saying that by far it was the most consistent game from start to finish by the Flyers. It was the most complete game. Um, worth noting, I pulled up the shots from last night. In the first period, it was uh, 12-8 Philly. In the second period, it was 10-8 Philly. And they absolutely dominated the third period, only letting up three shots the entire period. It wow. was almost like we weren't even playing a Pittsburgh team. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It, it, it didn't feel like it was what I'm used to. Because what I'm used to watching is them kind of slapping us around a little bit on the ice. Like, not physically, just with on the scoreboard. And every yeah. now and then we get a win. But I used to, I'm just so used to, the, to Pitt lately, you know, handling us. And it, seeing that 7-1 loss earlier in the season, I'm like, oh, here we go again. So this was a just a, a milestone game for them going forward. Because this, this is the team that they got to beat. The rivalry is always there no matter what. What you say, they still hate us. We still hate them. It felt good. So yep. I, I have I have a little question now. I mean, this is this is the only thing that makes me nervous. And normally it's the Flyers going into a break like this that lay an egg. You know, like, ah, we're not playing tonight. Do we have any inclination if maybe Pittsburgh was like, meh, we're going in no break. We don't care what happens tonight. Or do you think the Flyers' performance was just that dominant? Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I, I, I've seen Pittsburgh play better games. However, they had been playing hot up until that point. So to just dog at the very last game is a little odd, but I, they're human. Um, however, I do want to give credit where credit is due, and they really handled them defensively. I mean, you, it, it, we see it. You know, I mean, I know Pittsburgh's capable of more. Uh, but at the same time, are they really missing anybody important? I mean, everybody was back. I mean— it's a definitely something to think about. Uh, Flyers, what bothers me about them is they really do need to get this power play on track. Come on, man. 0 for 3, and they had a 5 on 3, and they still didn't score. Barely have any legit shots. That's so aggravating. How could you be this dominant in every other facet of the game, but where you have the advantage, you fall apart? I mean, that that's concerning. And now they play Pittsburgh after uh, the break in Pittsburgh, I believe. I'm worried about that game. I think that Pittsburgh's got this on their mind. I think uh, they're going back home, and I think they come out of the break better than the Flyers do. That's going to be tough. Uh, good news is Hart's hurt, and that's a whole week or however long it is that he'll be recovering, and I don't know when he's supposed to be back, but it shouldn't be too long after that. Does Pittsburgh have the same length break that we do? Because I think our bye week is tied in you know, to the good- All-Star break, right? Yeah, it's a good question because I was looking at some stuff and I was like, oh, why is why did the like three sets of games happen before the Flyers play again? So let me just do a quick look. Well, if you yeah, want, we do. we we do have a a guy that could answer Pittsburgh questions. Sure. If you want to ask uh, Pittsburgh questions here, did I say uh, Pittsburgh or, or Pittsburgh? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you are Pittsburgh. asking Pittsburgh questions, Kyle. So I feel like you you want to talk to him. <laughs> We do have Justin Miner coming on, guys. We're going to do a quick commercial, and we'll be right back with Justin Miner of Deep Puck Podcast. All right, guys, we're back with Justin Miner of Deep Puck Podcast and Pittsburgh Penguin fan. Justin, we had a couple quick questions before the break there. First, I want to say thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no uh, problems. Um, the questions that we had was, you know, the, the length of Pittsburgh's break. It's, it's 10, ga- uh, 10 days, right? Yeah, we're off for 10 days. Our next game is... At home against Philadelphia. Yep, we know that for sure. Um, that should be a good one. 
we were wondering last night because we're over here talking about how good the Flyers looked, and you know, obviously we're happy we finally you know beat you guys three nothing after getting our butts whooped seven one a couple months ago. Uh, we're wondering how much of that had to do with you know the way Pittsburgh played as a ways to uh, as opposed to the way the Flyers played. Um, I, I'd say it was a little bit of both. I mean, I don't think it, it in today's NHL you can't take away a win from the other team. Um, but I mean, Pittsburgh definitely never really got their speed going, um, never really got in transition and weren't getting back defensively like they have been through large portions of this season. Um, there was forwards not covering up for defensemen that were pinching, um, defensemen kind of over committing on plays, just a, a lot of things like that led to a lot of odd man rushes. Um, but the Philadelphia defensive structure was really, really good last night. Really clogged up the neutral zone. Never left a lot of uh, a, a lot of high danger chances. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, Kyle, you actually brought that up uh, in the beginning of the show. I mean, that that neutral zone was clogged up, and it seemed like there was a lot of you know, if not odd man rushes, there was a lot of breaks in transition going the other way towards Pittsburgh's end. Yeah, I mean, uh, Pittsburgh coming into. Last night, they had 63 points, 31, 14, and 5, uh, 13, 9, and 2 away from home. Uh, you guys had some pretty significant victories leading up. Uh, wins over the uh, Golden Knights, the Avalanche, the Coyotes, uh, the Wild. 4-1 uh, loss to the Bruins, actually. 2-1 win against the Red Wings. And uh, you ended up getting the Bruins back with a 4-3 win. Let me ask you, because I didn't. Uh, there's no way I thought Pittsburgh would be in the position that they're in. I think before the season, a lot of us were saying this could be the start of you know Pittsburgh's demise. Guys are getting older. Guys are going out hurt. Uh, they're trading guys. They got to rebuild a little bit. They got no prospects. Here they are sitting second place in the Metro with 63 points. I mean, what the hell's going on, Justin? Uh, well, I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to Mike Sullivan. Um, he basically rebuilt the system just in. in throughout the course of this season, whenever uh, Malkin first went down and got hurt, they started to kind of change their structure a little bit, kind of shift the focus towards the defensive side uh, of the puck versus the aggressive um, transition game that they had been playing before. Now they're more of a establish the four check and, and maintain zone presence type team that, uh, that they've been playing with. And then I, I just think Jim Rutherford for, kind of seeing the deficiencies in the roster and being able to address them and uh, and put the right guys in the right places. Like, I don't think anybody thought Brandon Tanev would be a steal on, on free agent day. <laughs> and he come in and he's just added something to the bottom six that has kind of been lacking since 2016 when we had the Carl Haglins and the Nick Beninos and guys like that that were defensive-minded players in the bottom half of the lineup that, I think that was a great addition. I mean, Galchenyuk's been a miss, but I, I mean, we were we were going to lose Phil Kessel regardless, uh, somehow, some way. Um, and I think Joseph is going to make up the difference in that trade, and we may still end up getting something for Galchenyuk at the deadline. Let me ask you, because I was a big Galchenyuk fan. Uh, I thought he was going to turn things around in Phoenix or Arizona, and then when I saw that that you guys got him, I'm like, oh my god, are you, are you kidding me? Like, how did they end up pulling up? pulling out all these friggin' trades. They get rid of Phil Kessel, and they bring in a guy, a kid like Alchenyuk. They pair him up with the Crosby or Malkin. He's going to be a 60-65 point player easily. What's going on with Alex Galchenyuk? Uh, honest, I, I, I really don't know. I know he had the injury um, 
leading training camp uh, and then got hurt again early in the season, missed uh, big chunks. Maybe he just missed some development in there uh, through the offseason program that he wasn't able to adapt properly, um, but just hasn't really found a fit. And, I mean, it's been different anyway because our top line was always set. We were always going to have Gensel, Crosby, and Simone on that top line. And then then Malkin got hurt, so Galchenyuk didn't have his center then. And then when Malkin comes back, Crosby gets hurt, so he moves up to the top line. So, I mean, he hasn't really had a chance to um, to play with an elite center a lot this year, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe that could be part of it. But uh, to me, he just seems like he's not um, – he hasn't really adapted to the system the way that a lot of other players have. That's a shame. I mean, a, a shame for the kid, not so much for the Penguins. <laughs> Everything you guys do ends up seeming to work out, so I don't have any sympathy for you guys. Uh, <laughs> um, you mentioned Tanev. I mean, when, when you guys signed him in the summertime, I was kind of like, what the hell are they doing with that contract? But, of course, it ends up friggin' working out. I mean, he's, he looks great. He's solidified. Like you said, he's a great bottom six player. Something the Flyers could use right now. I mean, uh, Brandon Tanev t- turned out to be great. Yeah, to me, I never had a whole lot of issues um, with the player or with the signing. Even even the money is not terrible. It's it's like three million a year or something like that. Um, obviously, you know, you won't know how bad the contract is until I think years four, five, and six in that deal. Uh, and and I think that was everybody's question of the contract was, what, why are you giving uh, a bottom six penalty kill specialist six years? Yeah. Um, and you won't really know that until the end of the contract, but I didn't have a lot of problems with the player. Um, I follow the Winnipeg Jets a lot. I work late shifts, so I get to see a lot of West Coast games as well. Um, and I got to watch him a lot last year. And and he does all the the detail-oriented parts of the game. He plays very well. Um, positionally, he's very good. Penalty killing and uh, and forechecking. He's a really talented, talented player. And his speed... I mean, there's not many guys in, in the league that can match up with his speed. Mm. Yeah, like you guys need any, any more of that. Uh, so let me let me ask. I mean, Brian Russ, he's kind of emerged as a guy this year. I, I, like he, he was never more than the 30, 40-point guy in the last couple of years. And this year, what's he, he already has like 40 points, hasn't he? Where did he come from? Uh, yeah, he's at 43 points right now. I think uh, 21 goals, 22 assists. Jesus. Yeah, he's he's been phenomenal. Um, Opportunity, I think, is is a lot of what has to do with uh, what's going on right now. He's getting big minute opportunities. um, And with a lot of the upper tier guys being injured a lot, he's been getting a lot of PP one time. So um, and he's always been like a guy that always rose to the moment. Uh, He had goals in. Game sevens in the playoffs, and he's scored some big goals throughout the the Stanley Cup Finals the past few years. So, I mean, he's never been afraid of the moment. I think now he's just getting a chance to uh, kind of show is it on that, a bigger stage at a, and more more ice time. Is that a result of the injuries on the team, or he's just he's just been up in the lineup from the start of the year? Uh, well, he he was actually one of our our key injuries early through the year. Um, He's missed, I think, 17 or 18 games this year as well. I uh, broke his wrist or or hand in like the the last preseason game 
like right before opening night, and then he missed like the first 17 or 18 games. Wow. And then just coming back, and he's another guy that likes to play with a lot of speed, likes to to play in on the four check, and and uh, he helps isolate away from from guys like Crosby and Malkin. He's a guy that knows where to be on the ice to help impact those guys. Yeah, and it's you know he's he's having an, a a breakout year to to go along with guys like Crosby, Malkin, and uh, whoever the hell else you guys have now. Jake Gensel, I, I got to tell you, like if there's one guy, it, it just Gensel's voice, it, it's a little bit annoying, isn't it, or is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> he just sounds young. He just sounds like he hasn't quite. Hasn't quite found adulthood yet. It sounds like he got kicked in the nuts all the time or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, a uh, big game last night. I don't. I'm. I'm sure for you guys as well, but for us, it, that game really meant a lot. If, if Pittsburgh would have won, you guys would have had 65 points. Uh, the Flyers currently, after that win, have 60. Uh, I'm sorry, you guys would have had more than you guys are. What 67? 67 uh, points. I think we're at 60. Five or sixty-seven? Yeah, somewhere in that in that ballpark. I don't I don't remember yeah. the. So big win for the Flyers. I mean, you guys put some some space in between the field there. Uh, it's three points from the Flyers to to third place. So the Flyers really needed that win. They're going to need to get another one when they come back from the break. From from what you saw, because I I didn't really see too much from Sidney Crosby in last night's game. It looked like the Flyers were playing him a little bit more physical. They were kind of up in his face a little bit more. What did you see from a, a Penn stand uh, a Pittsburgh? fan standpoint uh i really didn't see much from crosby last night uh, i mean other than a couple of of odd man rushes that kind of led to some decent chances uh when they put brian rust evgeny malkin and Sidney crosby all on the ice towards the end of the third period um all on the ice together at the same time um yeah they they've done a pretty good job of shutting down both of the top two lines uh, the guy that I noticed a lot last night with um, with you guys was Provorov was phenomenal last night. And then um, Myers as well. I really like the way that kid plays a lot. Wow, that's interesting because he's been taking some heat of late. And, and we were saying before we had you on that he played pretty well last night. He played well enough not to, you know, he didn't make any mistakes last night. So that's interesting that you brought him up. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he had a really good game, and he was he was pretty aggressive shooting the puck as well. And I think that's probably uh, something that you guys are expecting more of him. For sure, if Myers can get it going, the, the Flyers be pretty uh, pretty good defensively. Uh, you know, they were, they're looking. Uh, Shane Gossespierre has been out. He's kind of the guy everybody. I mean, I mean, people are split. People want him moved, and then people love him for his sixty-five point season. Um, if I if I can ask you, as a a, a, a fan of another team. When you think about the Philadelphia Flyers, which players stand out to you? For us, obviously, it's Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Uh, who stands out? Who are those guys for you on the Flyers? Uh, for me, uh, Sean Couturier is a guy to me that never gets enough credit league-wide um, for his two-way game. Uh, one of the best face-off guys in the league, that, and that's... A very underrated skill to have, especially uh, killing penalties, uh, starting off on the power play. The guy's almost a guaranteed win in the dot, and, and I like his game a lot. Um, I I did like Gostaspare after that big year, but you could start to see the, the signs last year that it was kind of more of a mirage. And then um, Provorov, I think, is going to be 
one of the more elite defensemen in the league for, for some time to come. It's interesting. So I didn't hear you mention Claude Giroux in there anywhere. I, I still think Giroux's a very good player. Um, but, you know, I think I liked him more when um, Hackstall had tried moving him on the wing. I thought he was a more effective player as a winger than he is as a center iceman, at, at least watching from afar. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's for the majority of the year he's played left wing. Only recently he's been moved back to center. Uh, the strength of the Flyers this year was supposed to be the depth down the middle and just hasn't been there. Guys have been in and out of the lineup. They've been missing Nolan Patrick all year. So they're, they're trying him back at center to see if they can get JVR cooking again. Uh, and for the last two games, he's, 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 he's gotten it going a little bit playing with Travis Konechny. Uh We were talking about Konechny before we had you on. Oh, yeah, that's another guy I forgot to mention. That guy is, he is having a lights out here, just a breakout campaign like I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, and the Flyers could definitely use a guy like that. It's been a little while since they've had a, a guy that's actually exciting to, I mean, Claude Giroux was that guy for so long, but Konechny is actually exciting to watch. Yeah, Konechny has is, is played very well. Um, he's very good, both on and off the puck. Like I, I like how he skates to get open. You don't see a lot of that from a lot of guys, but he does a really good job of skating to get open in the yep. offensive zone um, and, and finding those soft spots in the defense to score. Absolutely. Um, and I think you guys might have finally, after what seems like, I don't know, 40 or 50 years, finally figured out a goaltender. Um, in both Carter Hart and in the role that you're having Brian Elliott play as both a a backup and a mentor to Carter Hart. I think that's working out really well for them. Speaking of goaltenders, uh, what are you guys going to do next year? Uh, I uh, mean, for, I, for those that are listening that don't know, Tristan Jerry and Matt Murray are both RFAs after this year. Yes, they are both coming up on RFAs. Um, I think the interesting thing is, is like, I don't think either one of them are a seven or $8 million a year guy, right? I mean, I guess Murray could kind of lay his credentials out there, but I think he knows at this point he's not a seven or $8 million a year guy. Um, and if that's the market for goaltending, I think we'd be okay to pay both of them in the four to four and a half million dollar a year range and kind of run that one A, one B system that we've been running all year. Uh, if, if those are the contracts that you can get those guys to take, um, even if it's on shorter term, you know, maybe a three or, or four year deal would be ideal for me. But um, honestly, if I'm Matt Murray's agent, I'm pushing to get out of Pittsburgh because I really don't feel like the fan base has ever really appreciated him. And I, I wouldn't be afraid if I was Matt Murray's agent to ask to be moved. You know, interesting that you just brought that up because one of the Flyers uh, reporters or whoever the hell he is was retweeting a Malkin tweet about. You know, Pittsburgh fans booing, uh, I guess it was Matt Murray, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you saw that by now. I mean, what was that about? I mean, Malcolm was sticking up for his teammate, obviously, but the, the Flyers reporter seemed like he was almost kind of trying to twist it in him to Malkin saying something negative about Philly fans. And I'm kind of like, wait no, a second. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I think what Malkin was saying, and again, he's got that language barrier a little bit anyway, but I think what Malkin was saying is he, as a Pittsburgh Penguin player, expects to be booed every time he goes to Philadelphia. Yeah. That's the nature of the rivalry. That's the nature of, of the game they play. He doesn't expect to be welcomed with open arms in Philadelphia. I don't think he was implying that Philly fans 
boo their own players because I mean that's not something I I've, I recall a lot of. I think Andrew Eagles McDonald. Fans do. <laughs> well, Andrew McDonald, I do remember that one, and then Donovan McNabb over the course of many many games. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Malkin was twisting it as Philly is the only fans that Bronx cheers or anything like that. I think Balkan was saying he expects to be booed in Philadelphia because he's a penguin. I think it was misconstrued. And and I, I replied to that reporter. I, I can't remember who he was. I, I don't know if he was one of the local Philly writers or if he was uh, an athletic guy. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I replied in that thread. I go, you, you just seems like you're making something out of nothing here. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it. I mean, because you could have taken it both ways, but to take it the way where it was an insult, it was like, well, I think you're thinking too far into this you know for it to to take it like that to get offended somehow um you know if you if you really took it for what it was all he was saying was hey I, we, we're expected to get booed in philly we don't expect it to get booed at home this is our own player like give him a break yeah. but what is it about matt murray that people don't like because he's won two cups has he not he has um but mark andre fleury had a bigger than life personality uh mm-hmm. both on and off the ice he done a lot in the community um Matt Murray's a little bit more reserved, uh, not as kind of open or uh, he's not interactive. As yeah, not not quite as likable, not as open and interactive as Mark Andre Fleury was. And I think people see that difference in personality, and then obviously the changing of the guard. I mean, any management with any amount of sense, you have a 23 year old goaltender that just won two Stanley Cups versus a 34 or 35 year old goaltender coming up due on a contract, who are you going to protect in your expansion draft? If, if that's a choice you had to make. And I think most management would have decided uh, along the similar path that Jim Rutherford and the, and the Penguins decided to go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to, you said he's 23 years old at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how are you not, you're expecting, you know, you're going to sign him to a cheap deal or something, uh, something manageable or Fleury, you know, you're going to have to, what was he making at the time? Five, six million, seven yeah, I million. Think, I think Fleury was around, uh, six and a half million a year. Um, yeah. and then Philly ended up, or Vegas ended up giving him three years, 7.75 million a year. Oh yeah. And it's like, okay, you look back on that now. And if the Penguins signed that contract, then they'd be, screwed. you know, yeah, do you still get the same type of contract that you got with Jake Gensel where you got five years at $6 million, which is obviously looking like a steal? Or, you know, we probably don't land a player like Brandon Tanev this offseason. And, you know, a lot of things that have to go into that. I mean, I, obviously the management's not planning for just this coming year. They're looking three, four, five years down the road. And, and I think they, they made the right decision. Um, but a large portion of the fan base kind of holds Murray to that decision. Yeah, that's a tough standard to, I mean, you're, you're playing after a guy like Theo Fleury. I mean, you're saying he's got the, uh, the, the personality and, and all that. Did I say Theo Fleury? Mark Andre Fleury. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> caught myself though. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, you, you, you come in and play after a guy like that. You, you know, you're pretty much doomed if you're not playing lights out all the time. Uh, you, you brought up a guy, Jake Gensel and, I got to be honest, I didn't think that he was for real, and I'm still kind of like, I haven't watched him enough to say that he's legit, so I'm going to take your word for it. How much of it is legit skill, and how much of it is playing with Crosby and Malkin? Uh, 
I think it is a legit skill to play with guys like Crosby and Malkin. Okay. Um, in its own way. Uh, and you've obviously seen it with, with other guys over the years that haven't had the success that he's had. I mean, um, Crosby, for, for all that he's done in his career, Jake Gensel's only the second person that's ever scored 40 goals alongside wow. him. And the other one was Pascal Dupuis. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's just guys that play the way that those guys do. Um, and they don't play overly aggressive. They're not guys that's going to go super hard into the corner. They're guys that like to play more reserved and play positional hockey. And that's what Jake Ensel does really well. He's very good at finding soft spots in the in the offensive zone to be able to shoot and score from. And then to be able to finish those chances that he gets. Yeah, he's always putting up goals, man. I, I got a buddy in uh, in a fantasy league that Jack and I are in, and every other night I was getting a text, Gensel again, Gensel again. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know how many times I got to tell you I hate the Penguins. I don't care. <laughs> but he always makes a point to, to text me that friggin' Jake Gensel scored again. Um, Justin, that's pretty much all that I have here from you. I mean, I wanted to talk well, about Jim, the, Go ahead, I got Jack. a question. I got a question. Justin, I just wanted to ask, I'm looking at your uh, your team's contract situation, your salary cap and all that, and we just, uh, Kyle talked about your goaltending situation. I wanted to ask, what do you, do you, how long do you think the Penguins have for the four-door window closes? It seems Rutherford is pretty clever. Uh, you do have a lot of players, uh, most of them restricted free agents, but a lot of guys needing contracts, guys like Galchenyuk and Justin Schultz, and a lot of uh, restricted free agent guys looking to get raises. Do you think they can... Uh, they're going to slowly slip off, or do you think they're going to be able to keep it going? Or what do you think they do going forward? Uh, I mean, I think another two to three years is realistic um, because I haven't seen a lot of fall off from Crosby. Uh, Malkin's obviously having a bounce back year. And even with RFA, I mean, we could just tender both of those guys and, and get them um, to reasonable contracts that way. Uh yeah, I would say two to three years is more realistic. But, I mean, there's obviously, you know, you're going to lose guys. There's going to be turnover from year to year. I don't think any team uh, rolls out the same roster two years in a row. So I, I think there's going to be some turnover. Um, and Rutherford's pretty wise about how he manipulates trades to open up cap space. So I, I think that's that's available for them there. Hopefully it's more like one to two instead of two to three, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> I know I know we're sick of seeing you guys do well, man. It's been uh been way too long. Long overdue for you guys to not make the playoffs. We thought it was going to be this year, to be honest with you. That Metro division's tough as hell. It is tough. It's a deep, deep division. And I, and who knows, with the way that everything's going, I I don't think anybody in the Metro is safe right now. I don't think there's a, a secure spot yet in any of these teams in the playoffs. I mean, obviously Washington's very good and kind of set themselves out ahead, but I mean Pittsburgh's four points back there. Um, I'll yeah, tell I mean, you what: a, a, any of the top six or eight teams can, or top six or seven teams, are legitimate contenders for for those three spots. Anybody loses two ga- two three games in a row, and they're almost they're almost screwed, man. You you can't lose two games in a row, or you're going to lose some serious ground. It's going to be fun down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. 
And uh, with that, uh, we will let you go, Justin. Thank you so much for hanging out, and uh, maybe we could do this again. I'm sure we'll talk again. We get, I mean, we got you guys coming up on the 31st, so, you know. Yeah, look forward to it. All right, man. Thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, have a good one. You too. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, guys. Flyers heading into the break 27, 17, and 6 for 60 points. Uh, 5-2-1 and one in their last seven with wins over the Capitals, Bruins, Blues, Kings, and Penguins. Wow. I know, right? Like, shouldn't they be a lot better than where they are with wins over those teams? It's that goddamn West Coast trip. Whoever said it, that you drop a few games and you drop in the standings, that's exactly what happened. Uh, I mean, especially with this division, man, we were just talking with Justin. If you lose two or three games in a row in these, these last 30 games, you you actually, you can't. This team can't afford to, uh, you know, win four in a row, lose four in a row, like we've seen from this team so far up to this point. They have to find a way not to lose games consecutively, man. Not 17, only that, they got to take hey, care of business against bad teams, whether it's home or away. They yep. just had to beat some serious heavyweights just to keep pace with the rest of the Metro. So they can't be flying out to, you know, Detroit and dropping games like that. That's They'll never make the playoffs if they do that. Or if they do, they'll sneak in and get smoked by somebody. 100% agree. I mean, the, tell me if you thought that this was going to be a thing before we started this year. They're 17-4-4 four four at home. They've only only four games out of uh, 25 have they failed to pick up a point at home this year. I think I, I didn't see that coming. I mean, they've been a horrible home team the last couple of years, haven't they? They've definitely been better on the road under the Hacksaw error. Um, although their West coach, their West coast trips have always been bad. Um, but yeah, no, this, this is like insane that they've been this good at home. And I don't know. I really don't care. They need to, they need to just win consistently. This whole home and away shit's a joke. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking, I was looking over, uh, Pittsburgh's home and away while we had Justin on and their home records, like 18, five and something, uh, the biggest difference was they're 13, nine, 13 and nine at home, uh, away from home, whereas the Flyers are 10 and 13. So the, the Penguins are four games up, Flyers are three games down. If they can pick up that home re- uh, away record and even finish two or three games above 500 away from home the rest of the year uh, and keep up what they're doing at home, they should they should be okay. Uh, they're currently six points, sixth place in the match. I'm getting tired, man. I can't even talk. Uh, Three points out of second. So it's between the Islanders, Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, Flyers, and I, I could be missing one team. There's a bunch of fucking teams all within three points. It's going to be a dogfight, man. You got Florida in, in the uh, in the Atlantic hanging around. They're making a strong push. 30 games left. You know, we'll do a big second half kind of preview show at some point during the break. Um, just wanted to get everybody caught up to speed there on the on the stats. Had something else I wanted to bring up. I can't remember because I'm tired as fuck. Uh, I got one last thing if you guys, oh, guys want to get off. But I go. I go want off. to address it now while it's still somewhat hot. Well, I don't know if I want to call it hot. But there have been some Jeff Carter rumors. What do you fellas think of that? Go ahead, Kyle. Of course you will. Why? I'll take Jeff Carter back. A, I love Jeff Carter. B, the na- the show is named after him practically oh he's got a good point <laughs> can i tell you something that's going to piss me off because i hated jeff carter and like maybe like you know maybe i shouldn't have but i hated him and then to have our show named after somebody like him it's like it's like some kind of twisted fate 
that it's just going to haunt me now. Of all of all things, they Jeff would have to, a lot of stuff would have to happen for them to fit that three year this rest of this year and two more years. No, at, no, like, no, no, no. It's it's this year and next year and that's it. Are you sure? I was I'm reading an article. Best. I thought it was. I'm sweet. almost 110 percent positive. Which means we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Okay, but like. I heard we could get him de- relatively cheap, but we'd have to figure out something with the cap because I think he's making six and a half a year. It, it which would take like a JVR so to go the other way. So it's it's this year and the next two years. So essentially three years left, including this one. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, it's 5.2. Okay. That's not as bad. But even still, they're, they're got, they got to keep some kind of money. Like there's no way. Uh, we have nothing in cap. I don't even know what we would send back, but the rumors are there. Needless to say, I guess the that's up to Chuck to figure out. But their kids are getting louder. Those damn rumors. So I figured I'd bring it up without what you guys think. I don't know if I want them. I really, I really don't know. I mean, I didn't really like them the first time. Uh, you know, it would take some kind of weird move. The only way I would want Jeff Carter is if somehow it relieved us of like a couple million dollars of cap space. If the cap evened out with it, I, I wouldn't want them. And then I'm like, you know, if it's a player that we, if if the Kings are going to take a guy making more money than Jeff Carter, we're probably going to have to give up something extra, aren't we? Um, no, there's some comparable deals out there that really just show like a Ginla was traded later in his career for like a fourth. And the team that traded him retained some money as well. So, I don't know if it'd be perfect example, perfectly mirror that. I know LA wants to move on and wants to rebuild, and they need the, the uh, cap relief. Uh, I mean, they got it for three more years. They've been a they're a bottom barrel team now already. They bought out Kolvachuk straight up. They can't do that again. So I, I they really get you, you hold their feet to the fire. Like you can't. They're not going to ask for a lot. They're just going to want the cap relief essentially. Uh, their their guy they're going to focus on getting the best deal for is probably going to be Tyler Toffoli. Um, if not guys like Alex Martinez and whoever the hell else are trying to move. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't see how it works. It's too much money and we have nothing for cap space right now. So would I like, I mean, anytime an old flyer comes back, unless he's a piece of shit, like, which is rare, you know, like for like for the Phillies, if they got Scott Rowland back, I'm like, fuck that guy. But you know, <laughs> Car- I didn't, I didn't hate Carter. Like, you know, we did, we did go to game six of the cup. I mean, he was a good player, you know, so, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't see how it works. And then he's got two more years on top of that. That's a, that seems tough. I don't know yeah. how you make that one work. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not sh- I don't. I don't know where he would really fit. Would he get along over here? I just don't know. I mean, I'm not well, opposed to They asked him about him. it, and he did say he doesn't want to leave L.A., but he uh, loved yeah. his time playing in Philly. So he definitely said had some good remarks about it. Imagine <laughs> – Imagine living in Los Angeles, winning like two cups out there and your team's in rebuild mode so you don't have to do shit. You could basically just, you know, just go out there and skate around, maybe score once in a while. And then somebody asks you if you want to go live in Philly. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you got to be out of your mind. Well, we know he's had some crazy times in Philly. Yeah. Have you guys seen that guy without a shirt on? Uh, no, I don't. I don't cruise what that part the of the Internet. Fuck. What Jim. kind of question? Do we have to edit this, Jim? Jim, no. no, we don't have to edit it, but you just come out of the closet already. Dude, he's he's ripped. He's well, shredded. What you're saying is you would like him. Yeah. 
No, I'm just saying. He's just a good-looking guy. I mean, he's not, not really good-looking. He's just... <laughs> Jim, this is getting worse. Just keep digging. Keep digging. He's just he's a sculpted man. That's it. Oh, God. Got a nice physique. Like so somebody made him out of stone. Chiseled from the gods. Uh, maybe that could be the episode name now. Chiseled from the gods. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. At that, maybe we should wrap up. So the Flyers are going to be off for 10 days. The next game is January 31st against the hated Pittsburgh Penguins. Once again, thank you to our guest, Justin Miner. Kyle, you have your show. Do you have any guests lined up, uh, Reese, for a, an episode? I'm trying to line. It's Everybody's busy, including myself, so it's not the easiest to line old players up. Okay. But uh, yeah, I got some guys on the back burner, and I'm, I'm trying to line up specific dates. And when I get them lined up, I'll be sure to let everybody know. All right, cool, cool. We'll uh, we'll be back. We'll be recording an episode over the break. We'll have uh, you know, we'll dissect the first half of the season. We'll, you know, predict uh some outcomes for the last thirty games of the year. Uh, and yeah, we'll, and now. we'll talk soon, guys. Uh, enjoy the All Star game, and uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good weekend. Peace. No more rumors.